0: Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. The time's 4 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. And this is Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture for Wednesday, April 26, 2017. I'm Amy Brown. Republican State Representative Lawrence Lockman is no stranger to controversy. Back in 2014, he drew national media attention and was forced to apologize after it became public that when he was working for an anti-abortion organization in the 90s, he wrote that if a woman has a right to have an abortion, quote, why shouldn't a man be free to use his superior strength to force himself on a woman, end quote? He went on to say that at least the rapist's, quote, pursuit of sexual freedom, end quote, doesn't usually end with the taking of a life. That comment became public when it, along with other controversial statements, was published in a Bangor Daily News blog post by Mike Tipping titled, Maine Representative Lawrence Lockman's Decades-Long History of Extremism. I'll post a link to the article on the archives of today's show later on in the week when it's posted on the WERU website. Mike Tipping, it should be noted, is the co-host of the Beacon podcast, which can be heard here on WERU on Tuesday afternoons at four. So fast forward to 2017 and Representative Lockman has some ideas about immigration. Last week, he introduced three pieces of legislation. Just before we went to air today, and this is breaking news, the committee voted ought not to pass on two of them and tabled a third. But the discussion at last week's public hearing gives some insight into how Mainers are feeling about immigration. So today, we're going to bring you there. The bills in question were LD366, an act to ensure compliance with federal immigration law by state and local government entities, That was uh, tabled just before airtime today by the committee, and that means it's gone for now, but it may come back at a later date. LD 847, an act to hold refugee resettlement agencies accountable to Maine people, and that one would have made refugee resettlement agencies like Catholic Charities, quote, liable for acts of terrorism committed by refugees placed by those agencies in this state end quote uh, the committee voted ought not to pass on that one in their work session just before airtime, and ld ten ninety nine a resolve that would have required would have quote required the state to bring suit against the federal government for failure to comply with the federal refugee Act of nineteen eighty end quote the committee also voted ought not to pass. On that one just before airtime today, but back to Friday's public hearing before the legislature's Judiciary Committee. It lasted several hours, and an overflow crowd lined up to testify. Overwhelmingly, they were opposed to the bills. Uh, Representative Lockman spoke first.
1: Good afternoon. Senator Keim, Representative Moonen, members of the Joint Standing Committee on Judiciary. I'm Lawrence Lockman of Amherst. I represent House District 137 which is 15 towns and several townships stretched across three counties from the Penobscot Valley all the way to the Hancock and Washington County Highlands. I'm here today to present LD 366, an act to ensure compliance with federal immigration law by state and local government entities. I also want to uh, present to the committee, I posted a uh, petition online on Friday, Uh, for people who support LD 366 to sign the petition. Uh, Close to 500 petitions were signed uh, since Friday. Uh, Please note that in the text of the bill it says that this chapter may be known and cited as the Public Safety and Protection Act. And that's exactly what enactment of LD 366 will accomplish. And we're not just talking about terrorism, But let's also be very clear about that risk. We do know that the FBI has active ISIS investigations underway in all 50 states. So we know that Islamic State terrorists are already here in Maine.
2: Excuse me. We're not going to have reactions, stuff like that. If you can't control your behavior, we're going to ask you to leave. uh, And that applies to everyone equally. Please continue,
1: Representative Luckman. We do know that the FBI has active ISIS investigations underway in all 50 states. So we know that Islamic State terrorists are already here in Maine. And it's reasonable to conclude that they would most likely gravitate to communities where they know the cops are not allowed to ask them about their immigration status, even after arresting them. And if the community also offers welfare benefits to illegals, that community will surely be a magnet for the terrorists that the FBI tells us are already here in Maine. So let's talk about how we got to where we are today with regard to illegal immigration in Maine. In 2004, Governor John Baldacci issued an executive order that made the entire state of Maine a harboring haven for illegal immigrants. State employees were barred from asking anyone applying for welfare benefits about their immigration status. In effect, we told the world that although we are a poor state, we have generous welfare benefits, and we don't care if you're an illegal immigrant. Come on up to Maine and sign up. Governor Paul LePage rescinded that order on his first day in office, putting an end to Maine's open borders policy, and for that the people of Maine owe Governor LePage a debt of gratitude. Governor LePage turned off one of the magnets that was drawing illegals to Maine, but there was no way to undo the damage of Baldacci's executive order. The doors had been wide open for the better part of a decade. Today, it is estimated there are about 5,000 illegal aliens currently living in Maine. Governor LePage's executive order on his first day in office did not undo Portland City ordinance forbidding police and city employees from inquiring into anyone's immigration status. That ordinance was enacted in 2003, and city leaders boasted at the time, that they were following the lead of San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, Miami, and Denver. Portland officials admitted at the time that they had not received any complaints that police or other city workers had ever asked anyone about their immigration status. Talk about a solution in search of a problem. For me, it's hard to understand why politicians in Portland would want to handcuff their own police department especially just two years after the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Portland is the only municipality in the state that I know of with a harboring haven ordinance, although it's possible that other municipalities have informal, unwritten, don't ask, don't tell policies in place. And it also makes me wonder why the city of Portland would take $1.7 million of state aid to education in the last biennial budget and divert that money to an account that gives welfare benefits to non-citizens, including illegal immigrants. Make no mistake, these policies and practices have life-and-death consequences, and we're not just talking about terrorist attacks. Forty-nine-year-old Freddie Okoa of Portland was beaten to death in his Cumberland Avenue apartment on the evening of August 9, 2015. Court documents reveal that three assailants beat and kicked him for hours and bashed Akoa in the head with furniture. Akoa had 22 rib fractures from the savage attack, cuts and bruises all over his head and torso, and a lacerated liver when his assailants left him on the living room floor of his apartment. Police found a blood splattered Bible on the floor next to his head. His body was not discovered until two days later, after his mother contacted building management to let them know that she was not able to reach her son. On August 13th, four days after the savage murder, three Portland residents aged 23, 31, and 36 were arrested and charged with murder. With bail set at $500,000 for each man, they were jailed awaiting trial or a plea. After the initial news reports of the court appearance and the details of the crime, a media blackout began. It would be 10 months before one of the defendants pleaded guilty to manslaughter, and during that time, Maine's fake news media outlets didn't have a single report about the background of these killers. To this day, nearly two years later, we have learned nothing about the killers except their names, how old they are, and the fact that they each had multiple prior criminal convictions. Now think about that for a minute. We all know how the media generally handles cases like these. Reporters contact family members of the defendants, they talk to neighbors, co-workers, classmates, or whoever else they can find to shed some light on just who the accused killers are. You know, who is this guy and what makes him tick? Those kinds of questions. None of this happened in the case of Freddie O'Koa's murders. Frankly, I'm stunned at the utter lack of journalistic and professional curiosity that's been on display here. I am not a trained journalist. But as a husband, father, grandfather, and a legislator, I am interested in learning more about Frediakowa's killers. I haven't been able to find out a lot, but it's more than the media has reported. Would anyone be shocked to learn that none of the killers is a US citizen? I still don't know exactly what their immigration status is, other than they aren't citizens. And neither does the Assistant Attorney General who prosecuted the case. Imagine that, to this day, the prosecutor doesn't know their, their legal status. He doesn't know if they're refugees or asylees or dreamers or here on student visas. And he doesn't seem to be in any hurry to find out. Here's another fact I discovered without too much digging. The 31-year-old killer has 33 prior criminal convictions. In fact, the killers had 68 arrests between them prior to the murder of Freddie Ocoa. I have the 82 pages of criminal history in this file folder on the defendants, if anyone's interested in taking a look at it. Here's the bottom line for me. These guys should have been deported long before they had a chance to beat Freddie Okoa to death. If you're not a US citizen, you're here as our guest and you better be on your best behavior. One strike, you're out. These guys should have been deported after their first brush with the law. And if the city of Portland had been sharing information with federal immigration authorities, there's a good chance these guys would have been deported or in federal detention and Freddie Okoa would be alive today. The Ocoa murder case is not an isolated incident. Just last month, the man charged with murder in the 2015 death of a teen in Portland in a Portland recording studio, pleaded guilty to the murder charge. A judge sentenced Gang Dang Majok to 30 years in prison for the death of a Scarborough teen named Trey Arsenal. Majac, who also goes by the nickname Bang Bang, shot Arsenal multiple times in a crowded recording studio in Portland's Old Port. Investigators say Arsenal was an innocent victim just listening to a friend sing when he got caught in the middle of the shooting. Majak is not a U.S. citizen. He came to the U.S. from the Sudan in 2002. The victim's mother, Nancy Laxon, said she believes Majak should have been deported after committing other crimes. I'm a nurse. I help everybody. And I think when you do something wrong, you don't have the right to be here, she said. It's not fair. If that had happened to him a long time ago, Trey would still be here. But we can't take back time, so hopefully we can make laws that will help other people. Majak is also facing charges in separate cases including aggravated assault and drug trafficking. Once again, this is a case of a career criminal non-citizen with a long criminal rap sheet, but because the politicians in Portland handcuffed and muzzled their own police department, Federal immigration authorities were never notified. Trey Arsenault would likely be alive today were it not for Portland's Harboring Haven ordinance. LD366 would require all municipalities in Maine to comply with federal immigration law, and it would prohibit policies that forbid police officers from initiating an inquiry into anyone's immigration status. Towns and cities that continue to defy federal immigration law by harboring illegal immigrants would lose all state funding, including state aid to education and revenue sharing. Citizens who are harmed by the criminal activity of illegal aliens would have legal recourse to sue the politicians who enable such policies. These are common sense measures, and I'm frankly surprised at the controversy that's been generated. Be prepared to hear opponents of this legislation play the race card today. That's what happened last year when a similar proposal was tabled in the House. A member of legislative leadership called the proposal blatantly racist and claimed it would allow police officers to pull people over based on the color of their skin. That's the same theme that's being pushed in the last couple of weeks by the ACLU of Maine with regard to this bill. What they're really saying is that police officers in Portland are inherently racist, and if they were not restrained by the city ordinance that was enacted in 2003, they would be targeting racial minorities for immigration enforcement, randomly pulling people over and hassling them based on the color of their skin. How insulting is that? Our local police officers in Maine are the last line of defense against violent criminals. I trust our cops to do the job that they were trained to do. They know what the elements of probable cause are. And I just don't understand the ACLU's hostility toward law enforcement officers who put their lives on the line every day to protect and serve Maine people. Frankly, playing the race card is a sure sign that opponents cannot offer a rational basis for opposing LD 366. In any case, LD 366 specifically prohibits racial or ethnic profiling. This isn't complicated for me. As far as I'm concerned, we need to get our priorities in order. Fellow legislators, it's time to make Maine safe again. I urge you to vote ought to pass on LD 366. Thank you, Representative Lachman. Since
2: we're hearing all three bills at once, do you have anything to say or to introduce about LD 847 or LD
1: 1099? Um, I'll just have my written testimony distributed on that and I'll make myself available for the work session if you've got any questions. Just in the interest of keeping this from a long day from getting even longer. Thank you. Other questions for Representative
2: Lachman? Seeing none. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Representative Bradstreet has a question.
3: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, in your testimony, you talked about 1.7 million dollars going from state
1: aid, uh, but they was requisitioned or it was allotted for education, but they diverted that. Do you have some type of uh, evidence to show that, or is there, is there some record somewhere that would show? Oh, that? Oh, yeah. No, that that was uh, that was reported in the press. Yeah, and I could, I may have that in one of these file folders. I can bring that to the work session. If that works for you, thank you. And uh, you, you, you talked at the bottom about the attorney general who prosecuted the case. And imagine that you, the prosecutors don't know their legal status. Well, who would possess that information? Would the city of Portland possess that information? Um, well, ICE, ICE would have that information. Okay. Um, but if, you're, if, if you have an ordinance in place that says you're not allowed to exchange information with ICE, you're, you're not going to be able to get it. Okay. Other questions? Seeing none.
0: That was State Representative Lawrence Lockman speaking before the legislature's Judiciary Committee at a public hearing last Friday in Augusta. As you heard, he told the committee that he would submit the support for his allegation about the city of. Portland redirecting educational funding to support immigrants to the committee in writing. Uh, we emailed him to ask him for that information, but we did not receive a response. The overwhelming majority of the people who spoke at the hearing on Friday spoke in opposition to one or all of these pieces of legislation that Lockman was introducing. But there were a few supporters. Here's one of them.
4: Senator Kime, Representative Moonen, members of the Judiciary Committee. My name is Dorothy Herbert, and I live here in Augusta. The following is something I personally... Uh, observed. On Sunday, July 3rd, 2015, at about noon, I was driving south from Augusta on the main turnpike. There wasn't much traffic at that time, and I happened to look back. I was about halfway to Lewiston, and I saw a different-looking vehicle behind me, and it, it, it there was something about it. So as this uh, vehicle that I described as a cross between a large van and a panel truck went by me Um, it was expensive looking brand new and shiny white and I had never seen anything like it and haven't seen much since like it as it came alongside me I noticed it had DOT in large letters on the side toward the front but it had no other numbers and no other identification There were no windows on the sides of the vehicles. Then I noticed a license plate, and it was from Kansas. How strange, what was a dot, trick, truck, Department of Transportation truck from Kansas doing in Maine? It wasn't a work vehicle, so um, how could it be helping us in an emergency? Soon two more of those vehicles joined the first. They got off at the Auburn exit, and I also got off there. They headed south on 202, and at nearby lights they took a right turn. It was a horizontal, small window in the back of of, uh, the vehicles and I looked through and I saw headrests and I saw heads on those headrests and uh, they were transporting people maybe 16 or 20 per vehicle Uh, A friend recommended that I I report that to Governor LePage's office, and they did follow up with the Department of Transportation who said, we don't know anything about it. I was sorry that I didn't get a license uh, number. It's hard when you're driving or try to photograph it. Uh, I believe they were transporting illegals to a certain location where they would sneak them in and allow them to receive the benefits of our, our amazing American society. If things are done legally and above board, they don't need to be hidden. We want people who appreciate the freedoms that America offers and do not intend to endanger the ones that do not intend to endanger our citizens or cause havoc if they come in legally at least we can judge their credentials and make sensible decisions. Please vote ought to pass on LD366. Let's not discover our mistake when it's too late, as they have in England, France, Germany, and other countries. Most of the citizens rule the day that their leaders open their borders to everyone. Rape and murder by immigrants are rampant in these countries. We don't want that in Maine or in our country. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Ms. Herbert. Any
0: questions? You're listening to Maine Currents on WERUFM. I'm Amy Brown. We're listening in on last Friday's public hearing for three bills targeting immigrants and refugees in Maine that were introduced by Representative L- Lawrence Lachman. Shifting gears now to those who spoke in opposition to his proposed legislation, which comprised nearly everyone who was at the public hearings. This next speaker is Sarah Novak of Hamden.
2: Welcome.
5: Hi. Um, I was going to say everyone's names, but I don't want to mess anyone up, so thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity. I'm here as a parent. I have three children who were adopted from Ethiopia, China, and China. Um, My children, we moved here three years ago from New York State. We had a lot of bullying in the southern tier. We came here because Maine was touted as being the great place to be, and they thrived. But introducing a bill like this will make my children targets because they don't look like me. We share the same heart. This is my youngest, who is from Ethiopia. I am asking you to think of the children, the international students, CISV, individuals who come here to learn about peace, individuals learning and trying to strive to have a better life. I don't see many people who are Native American in this room. We all come from somewhere. My relatives escaped the Holocaust. They escaped with scars on the outside and the inside. I need you to understand people of Maine. We are one community and we work together as one community. We cannot be divisive and divided. When you ask the local law enforcement to do this and to profile, which is what these bills are, you're asking them to step outside the boundaries of what they're supposed to do, which is to uphold the law. Maine is known for its numbers, high numbers, on domestic violence and illegal drugs. Let them do their jobs and let the people live in Maine. And if you have a problem with immigration, bring it up with different individuals. Find out why you have problems. But from what I understand, the state of Maine has not had horrendous problems with immigrants. We do have problems with domestic violence and with um, I'm sorry, illegal drugs. I've also noticed in the last couple of weeks the headlines that are reading that we have low numbers of medical personnel. We're losing them daily. We also have very low numbers for seasonal workers for our businesses along the coast. We have businesses striving and, and struggling to get open for the season. Our sign when you come into our state says vacation land, welcome. So will it say vacation land for only those who look? as if they're not foreign? And how do we determine one audience member actually asked me if my daughter was legal? Yes, my children are citizens of the United States of America and have been since the age of one or two when they came. How are you going to tell my children from a non-citizen? Will you pull them over? Will you scare them? My oldest is in pre-med honors at UMaine, and she will be a neurosurgeon in trauma. My second oldest is in environmental sciences and she is going to help the earth, and they're both staying in Maine. My youngest wants to be an international attorney. Sorry, every time I look at my daughter, I cry, because they, every time they walk out of their house, their school, where they work, will be targets. I am their mother, and it will break my heart to have to move from Maine, but we are already looking at housing in Canada. We love our state. We volunteer. And by the way, Mr. Lachman, who left, he was touting that he had 500 people who signed petitions since Friday. I started Hamden Area Diversity, an online Facebook page. Within the first hour, in the small community of Hamden, we had over 267 people who joined. I believe there are people who actually care about diversity in the state of Maine. My family and I do. And I'm urging you to vote no on LD366, LD847, and LD1099. We're one community, and from what I understand, like I said, we all came from somewhere, and when someone says, what's your nationality, do you say, I was, I'm was, i a Mainer, all my people came from Somebody came from somewhere, and people embraced you and your family members. Please embrace all the people and enjoy diversity. Thank you, Thank you very much. much.
6: Hello, my name is Rebecca Novak. Um, I'm, a six, I'm 16, and I'm a junior at Hamden, Man, Hamden Academy. I'm here to testify against the bill LD 366. Let me first tell you some of my background. I was born in Ethiopia. But my parents died of the ravages of HIV and AIDS. My grandfather carried me to an orphanage, but not long after, he passed away. I was adopted at the age of two by my mother, and we moved from our Ohio house to a little town called Mayville, New York. There, I secretly hated it. Because every day, I would be constantly reminded that I was different from one, for one thing only, my skin color. People there didn't look at me for a f- loving, a fun-loving person who was into music and theater and animals. They looked at me as one thing and one thing only, and that was black. So the day my parents told me we were moving to Maine, I was filled with sadness, yes, but I was also filled with a great relief. I've lived in Maine now for three years, and I can honestly say there's no place like home. Now I know that I'm still young, and you might not think that I know what I'm talking about when I say that, but you have to understand I went from a place of closed-minded racist people to Maine, a place with the most open-minded, open-hearted, loving, and warm people I have ever met since the day I read the sign, Welcome to Vacation Land." Just outside the bridge, I have been met with nothing but warmth. That is why standing before you today, I am shocked and scared for the future of Maine because this bill being presented is one that opposes everything that Maine and Mainers stand for. This bill puts forth the feelings of fear, non-acceptance, and distrust. This bill will not only bring forth these new feelings, but it will also change the atmosphere of the Maine I've grown to love by making people who could be perceived as foreign feel scared to come out. The other day, I went to Canada with my mother to look at some houses, and on our way back to the States, my mom kept telling me not to worry, to be careful, I couldn't smile because I was so nervous that the, that the patrol officer at the border would give us a hard time. Even though I've been a citizen since the age of two, and even though my pa- I had my passport with me, I was still terrified because of the changes happening around the world. I was afraid that they'd finally breach the borders of Maine. But you see, that's where I was wrong. I forgot where I lived. I forgot about the love and acceptance in the Mainers' hearts. So when the border patrol officer was kind and my mom thanked him and he asked why she was so thankful, she told him her fears and immediately looked in the car and saw me and he said, I don't see any foreigners in this car. I see US citizens, so welcome home. Both my mom and I cried because that's what it means to be a And we've, that I've grown to love. That is what being in Maine is like now, so please keep it this way. Please do not vote for a bill that will make me and my sisters, who are both from China, targets for the hatred and bigotry. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Ms. Novak. Any questions? Seeing none. Thank you very much.
7: Welcome. Go ahead. All right. Thanks. My name is Marco Aviles. I'm a writer. I work in Lewiston as an interpreter. And I was born in Peru. I am a Latino and also an immigrant in this country, same as most of you of your ancestors. I mean immigrants, not (laughs) Latinos, obviously. And I am here today because I am opposed to to the Bill 366. I don't like its spirit. My wife is from Maine. She's a radio producer and worked and lived in South America for almost 10 years. And as an immigrant there, she was never afraid of the law enforcement. She was never called an immigrant. She was never treated as an immigrant. Our countries in South America and Latin America are friendly with people that come from abroad. I invite you all to visit Machu Picchu. You won't need a visa. The experience is different for me in this country Everywhere I go, a party, the supermarket, even Dunkin Donuts, I am asked, where are you from? Is it because I have a tattoo in my forehead that says immigrant? No, it is because the color of my skin. Being brown as I am is a sign that people read. I don't, <clears throat> I don't need to speak. I don't need to reveal my accent to be considered a foreigner. Sometimes, without even knowing me, people ask me, are you legal? Of course, my wife was never asked this question in Peru. We receive 4 million tourists every year. 1 million come from America, from the United States, I mean. And a lot of these people fell in love with Peru and decided to stay to live there. We have a great cuisine. One of every 10 foreigners who decide to stay in Peru as immigrants, come from the United States. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever heard of an American being called illegal? No. That word, that spirit, that obsession is not important to us. I am brown. I am legal. I feel vulnerable. I feel vulnerable every time I go to a a diner in a rural town and people start looking at me. Does any of those guys have a gun? I ask myself. I feel vulnerable every time I go to a hospital and nurses don't say hi to white people. And nurses that say hi to white people don't say hi to me. Are they scared? Are they mad I am here? I feel also vulnerable every time I see a police officer. And I feel that way not because I am doing bad things. I feel that way because of the paranoia that is spreading more and more in this country and this bill 366 is part of that paranoia. Reading this bill, I feel vulnerable. I feel vulnerable for me, and I feel vulnerable for the children that I will have if they are brown. Will people ask them about their immigration status? Will they need to carry their IDs in order to feel safe every time they interact with police officers? Some people might say this is only about immigration, but it is not. It's about race. I have friends who were born in Europe and now live in Maine, and they don't feel like me. They are white. They are not treated as immigrants. They are not even here. They are not asked where they come from. They are not asked, are you legal? Instead of making Maine a more friendly and modern state to live, this bill is doing the opposite. This bill is making Maine Maine a ghetto, G-U-E-T-T-O, a white ghetto, I mean. Thanks. Thank
8: you very much. Good afternoon, excellencies. I would like you to understand my English because I speak better Portuguese and French than, uh, I mean, uh, I speak Portuguese and French better than English. My name is uh, Mpasi Mundele André from the Republic of Angola. I'm a pastor from the Assembly of God and a lawmaker as well. I've been living in the United States of America for eight months. I'm an asylum seeker working as volunteer at the Immigration Resource Center of Lewiston. Men known formally as United Somali Women of Men. I'm also a student at the Lewiston Adult Education Excellencies, I'm here today to make my opposition against the proposal law, L.D. 366, presented to the State House today. I'm personally fully convinced that once this law is adopted, it will surely bring insecurity, fear, bitterness, high blood pressure, Restlessness, frustration, and oppression among the immigrant communities of men. I can say, and I believe that most of us immigrants here in this room can also agree with me that since since his, His Excellency President Donald Trump has ascended to power, the life of many, many immigrants here in the United States of America has been threatened. As a result, some immigrants have moved out to Canada to ask or to, I mean, to seek for asylum and refuge. Others were chased back to their homeland, and those who still left, as well as the newcomers, are afraid of the future. <clears throat> Excellencies, let me tell you, please, that the history of immigration had begun long centuries ago, before we were born. As an example of that, I can invite you to look into the Holy Bible, which shows us clearly through its scriptures that even though the patriarch Abraham and others lived in their time as immigrants in the foreign lands before being settled into their own homeland. Even God himself had taught to them when they will leave the foreign lands of their peregrine and enter into their homeland, their own homeland, the way they are going to treat the foreigners whose we call today asylum seekers, living among them. Please allow me to read just a, a few verses of the Holy Scriptures about it. Exodus 23, verse 9 says, Do not oppress an island. Is, you were aliens in Egypt. Deuteronomy 10, 17, 18, I mean 19 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He who defends the cause of fatherless and the widows and loves the alien giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens. For yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Thank you very much. And the last two. Your, your time
2: is up. Do you have a concluding remark for us? Fi- one final my, my remark? My time is over? Yes. Uh, you, can you see oh, here? Oh, yeah.
8: So. Let me just finish the last one last remark. Excellencies, as human beings, we all recognize recognize that no one is perfect. Each one of us has has got defects and failures. In fact, if you have not strong among us, please forgive us. Try to approach us and talk with all the immigrant community across men instead of looking for hard decisions that could destabilize our lives and families. I can witness before each one of you today that also believe that all my fellow African citizens will agree with me that we are all welcome into the United States of America. We have truly found rest and peace of mind as long as we are here. For you give us a place to stay with our family, You give us food to eat. You give us job to do. You give us our children best school and education. You give us better health care. And also, you respect our human rights when our home country's government never bothered doing so. May God the Almighty bless you and your children. May God the Lord bless the United States of America. May peace from the Lord abide in the midst of you thank you very much
2: thank you very much questions from the committee seeing none thank you
9: my name is Fatima Hussain I am a mother of eight children four boys four girls uh, two of them in college Georgetown University and Swarthmore College I am also a resident of Auburn I'm also an employer I see my friend, Lois. I'm also an employer. I employ um, many immigrants to provide culturally and linguistically specific services. One of the services that we provide is culturally and linguistically specific domestic violence and sexual assault services. I am here in opposition to LD366. An attack on immigrants is an attack on our state and our future. I actually want to invite Representative Lockman to come and stay um, and spend a day with us. I am tired of uh, the attacks. Uh, We're not bad people. We're not criminals. We're tired of running around. We're tired of running away from violence all the time. All I know is violence. All I know is people segregating against us. All I know is people who don't know us who stand in front of you and others, who talk about who we are, they have never walked in my shoe. They don't know us. They have never come to our community. They have never connected with us. For them to stand here and instill fear, for them to spread propaganda that does not exist, is wrong. It is morally wrong. It's the wrong thing to do. And the state of Maine is a good state. It's a state that needs people like us. My children did not get to Georgetown and Swarthmore because they're black people. My children got to those schools because they worked hard. I will drive my daughter to Catherine Macaulay for two years to get to where she is today. We are hard-working people. We are courageous people who have gone through war and everything that you can ever imagine. No American can relate to my shoes. Living in a refugee camp, women who are raped every day, every night, girls who have no future, children who live in a refugee camp for 14, 20 years who come to the United States to seek for safety stop criminalizing us. We're people who contribute to the state of Maine. When I came to Lewiston, it was a ghost town. Today, Lewiston has thriving communities. Today, Lewiston's population is thriving. So is the state of Maine. We contribute into the economy. I am pleading with you Wrap up. to know that we are good people. We don't hide things. We're not criminals. We're not here to hurt anybody. Come stay in our community and see how much progress we do. Please oppose LD 366. Thank you. Bertie. Thank you.
2: I can't do anything about your opinions, but I can have the rooms cleared if I need to do that. So please, everyone, respect that everyone has a right to speak. Everyone has the right to be respectfully listened to. And please, if you have reactions, there are other rooms in the building where the audio can be listened to and you can go clap in those other rooms.
0: You're listening to Maine Currents on WERU-FM. This is a public hearing that was held last Friday in Augusta for three pieces of immigrant-related legislation introduced by representative Lawrence Lockman. It's not clear whether Lockman himself ever heard any of this testimony. A few of the people who testified noted that Lockman had left. We asked him about that in an email and we have not yet heard a response. Incidentally, on the same day as this hearing, Forbes magazine released its 2017 list of the 25 best places to retire in the country, in which they looked at factors including housing costs, access to medical care, crime rates, and overall quality of living. The only city in all of New England to be listed in the top 25 was Lewiston. Back to last week's public hearing.
10: Good afternoon, Senator King, Representative Moonen, and members of the Judiciary Committee. My name is Ifrah Said Asa, and I'm speaking in opposition to LD366. I'm from Somalia. 23 years ago, me and my family entered uh, um, in the US to seek asylum. Some people refer to asylum as undocumented aliens, unauthorized immigrants, or sometimes even illegal immigrants. Some people ask me, why are you here? Or sometimes they yell, go back to where you came from. The truth is, it's too dangerous to go back where we come from. Nobody leaves their comfort zone, their home, their neighborhood, leave their uh, everything um, to live in a place where people look different, act different, and speak different. Some situation or circumstances must have forced us to get out of the country. In my situation, it was a civil war. There was a continuous gunshots and bombing. I could not go to school. My dad was a chemistry professor at the Somali University. He could not go to work anymore. My mom had a store and it was looted and robbed. I remember hiding and um, from the rebels and hearing the neighbors scream for help. There was no police there, nobody to help. There was nobody that could help us. There was no police. My sister got shot by a stray bullet And we took the bullet out of her body with our own hands because the hospital was too far and too dangerous to go to. She is alive, and she is today an ER doctor in Dearborn, Michigan. My other sibling um, did not make it. She died from infection. Every time we wanted to leave and escape, we heard of stories that uh, people tried to leave with a boat, and they ended up drowning in the ocean. They tried to leave with the airplane. It crashed. Um, They tried to leave with a car. It stalled in the middle of nowhere, where they got attacked by wild animals. Um, It was very scary to leave, but we could not stay either. Um, But we finally made it out and came to America. Um, When we came to America in the 90s, we were accepted with arms wide open and we were welcomed very much. Um, America did not turn its back on us. America made us safe again. America made us feel peace again. And America made us dream again. Today, I am a US citizen. Me and my siblings graduated from Lewiston High School. I went to UMO and I have an accounting degree. My sister is an MD. My brother goes to Yukon to study engineering. My parents own a successful store in downtown Lewiston. We are proud to be American, and we are proud to be part of the community, and we are glad to contribute to the community and to the economy. LD366 is very un-American, in my opinion. These immigrants need us now more than ever. They cannot go back to a place where they will get murdered. And they cannot live in fear um, of constantly being held, um, uh, 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 of, being, of having a fear of being um, incarcerated and returned to where they ran from. What happened to humanity? What happened to helping each other and standing for each other? Today, I am their voice. I urge you to not pass this bill. We should not criminalize them. We should focus on our energy and resources on more important things and to bigger problems, like drug overdoses taking away all, most, uh, a lot of youth. Um, these immigrants are innocent and only want to better their life. We should not get law enforced to go after them. That um, We should let law enforcement go after people that harm our community and not after people that are trying to make our community better. Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. Questions from the committee? Seeing none, thank you.
3: Good afternoon Senator Kaim, who's, who's not here right now. Representative Moonen and members of the Judiciary Committee. My name is Indriani Demers, and I live at Fort Gorham Road in Wisconsin. I, as an Indonesian immigrant since 1974, wholeheartedly oppose this legislative document 366, because I owe a lot to this community that has helped me become who I am now, a productive citizen, an advocate, and an educator in Portland. I'm here today to ask you to reject legislative document 366, which was submitted by Representative Lawrence Lockman from Amherst. First, the bill is nothing but an anti-immigrant bill that makes immigrants feel less welcome in Maine. Next, federal law does not require local law enforcement to engage in federal immigration enforcement. Also, local governments should not be forced to choose between their budgets and the constitutional rights of their residents. Lastly, but most importantly, this bill amounts to racial profiling by singling out people perceived to be foreign and to be treated Unfavorably. And speaking of safety, safety for whom? That's what I'd like to ask you. This is a, a submission that has been uh, from a person or people who have internalized racism. Okay, and for that, you should all reject legislative document 366, because if you don't reject LD 366, then you agree to take us back to the 1940s in terms of our civil rights and our human rights. If you don't reject LD 366, then you agree to make immigrants feel less welcome in Maine and that includes me, although I'm a citizen since 1980, you wouldn't be able to tell me that because I don't wear it. I don't wear my citizenship on my head or anywhere else, but it's inside me. If you don't reject LD366, that will make you take part in racial profiling and that will make you racist. I'm sorry to have to say that. If you don't reject LD 366, then you are not recognizing the constitutional rights of your residents, whom, by the way, are your constituents, and I'm one of them. In conclusion, I would like to remind all of you that all of you, unless you are a pure Native American, you are still offsprings of immigrants. And that makes you immigrants, too. I just happen to be born in a different country. But still, I am the same human being with the same human rights that you have. By birth, you are fortunate enough to be automatically become American citizens. So please remember that this land is your land, and it's my land, too and this land was made for you and me. Thank you for this opportunity to speak in front of you, and I hope that you will reject legislative document 366.
2: Thank you very much. Questions from the committee? Seeing none, thank you.
11: Good afternoon, Representative Hoon and honorable members of the committee. My name is Jan Morrill. I'm from, from Rockland, and I'm here to testify in opposition to 366. I'm testifying on behalf of a woman who would like to share her experience of what it's like to be an immigrant in Maine. She and I have become very close over the last two and a half years, but she's nervous about presenting her own testimony in person. She asked that I do not disclose her identity because she's unsure of the consequences of publicly sharing her story. She lives with her husband and her daughter, who was born in maine and who is about to turn two years old this summer the following is her statement in opposition to ld366 and the explanation of potential implications for her and her family were this bill to pass she says i moved here four years ago and have generally felt welcomed in my community until recently given the changing political climate over the last four months i have begun to feel worried and upset my husband and I have noticed that people in the community treat us differently now. Clerks in stores don't want to wait on us and often treat us rudely. Recently, a cashier at Walmart threw a piece of paper in our face because she claimed we hadn't filled out a form correctly. Now that there is a new president, people feel emboldened to treat us however they would like. I'm worried because I feel like we could be deported at any time. I'm scared they will come to our house and take us. My husband works full-time and we pay income taxes. I've never commit we have never committed any crimes, and we are doing our best. We're trying to do our best to be contributing members of society, but even so, my husband is afraid he will lose his job because of his immigration status. We don't dare to leave our house. With the news reports of immigration agents grabbing people in the streets, we don't get any pleasure from leaving our house and we don't dare to go out unless it's absolutely necessary. If this bill passes, my husband and I will be even more afraid to go out into the community. Our immigration status prevents us from applying for a driver's license, and the simple task of being able to go buy groceries is already complicated. If this bill passes, errands as routine as buying food for our family will seem dangerous. Two two years ago, I was pregnant with my daughter. I had a complicated pregnancy and was in and out of the hospital and physically very weak. During that time, my neighbor began to sexually harass and threaten me. I was in a very vulnerable position. Looking back, If LD 366 had been in place, I would have not have, I would have not trusted the police enough to call them. I would have gone back and forth about what I should do. I believe in the end, I would have decided it would be too dangerous to call the police because of the immigration status of members of my family. I would have also been concerned about the risk for my neighbors created by bringing police to our housing complex. My decision would not have been based solely on concern for my own safety, but for those around me who are trying to work to support their families. My daughter will be old enough to go to kindergarten in four years, and I'm already thinking about whether we will be too afraid to send her to school. Taking her to school and back every day will be a risk. I would also be worried that her classmates or their parents might jeopardize our family safety by reporting something to the police. I believe that as a human being, our rights are already being violated, and if this bill passes, it would take the little freedom and sense of security we have left. My husband and I don't want to continue to live with the fear of being separated from our two-year-old U.S. citizen daughter. Thank you very much. My name is
12: Hannah Huber, and I'm a voter from Farmington. I'm about to begin my education at law school this fall, and... I have not so much a positive statement to make in opposition of this bill as a question I would like to ask the committee to consider. I found uh, a joint letter signed by 61 acting and former police chiefs and sheriffs who are are form part of the Law Enforcement Immigration Task Force, a group of senior law enforcement uh, career members and experts who are who act under the auspices of the National Immigration Forum. They wrote to the US Senate saying, explicitly, federal immigration immigration enforcement is first and foremost a federal responsibility. Local control has been a beneficial approach for law enforcement for decades. Having the federal government compel state and local law enforcement to carry out new and sometimes problematic tasks undermines the delicate federal balance and will harm locally based, community oriented policing. And this letter was signed by uh, uh, signatories from about twenty different states, some of which voted for Donald Trump, everywhere from Texas to California, and. We're going to have to leave that
0: there because we are running out of time and we have some breaking news. Uh, By the way, you've been listening to Maine Currents. Uh, That was some of the testimony at last week's public hearing for LDs 366, 847, and 1099 that were introduced by Representative Lawrence Lockman. A work session on the bills, that was last Friday. Today, a work session on the bills concluded just before we went to air. And the breaking news is that the committee tabled LD 366, the bill that you heard most of the people testifying against. That was the bill that, among other things, directed local law enforcement to get more involved with enforcing federal immigration laws. They tabled that, which means that it's gone for now. It may come back at a future date. Um, they also voted, the committee also, this is the Judiciary Committee, the main legislature, voted ought not to pass on Lockman's other two proposed bills, one of which would have made refugee resettlement agencies liable if a refugee they helped... Uh, um, settle into the state committed an act of terrorism so that would have penalized like catholic charities and those kinds of organizations if uh, something happened and the other would have directed the state to sue the federal government for alleged failure to comply with the refugee act of 1980 again the uh, committee voted ought not to pass on those latter two and tabled the first one That happened just before we went to air today. You've been listening to Maine Currents, independent local news, views, and culture. I'm Amy Brown. Join me here Wednesdays at 4 o'clock on WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Democracy Now! is coming up next, then Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg. Catch you next week.
2: Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland
1: Trust, a member supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the